everyone. My name is Esther Crystal, and today it is solo on Uncoming to America, the podcast that guides you through life as a foreign student. Today with me, I have someone very, very, very special and highly requested by people. Um, I have with me Mrs. Abiyarun Balogun today. She's going to be talking to us about how to get into Canada without being a student because we've always talked about, you know, oh, you're a student, you're a student, you're a student. How can I get in? I did yes, all of those things. But today we will be catering to people who are trying to move forward in life, but they're not students um, or they have gone through the process of being students already. And so help me to welcome Mrs. Abiyadun Balogun. Hi everyone, my name is Olada Yoabiodu Balogun. I am the CEO and the principal consultant of PI Immigration Consultancy. We are based in Canada. Of course, we have office in Nigeria, but um, let's say we're based in Canada. Canada, it's a, I mean, it's where we have our head office. I I'm a registered and active member of the Immigration Consultant of Canada Regulatory Council. My membership number is, um, my membership ID is R707005. I am also licensed with Saskatchewan Immigration. My license number is 000927. And a Canadian, a member, <laughs> a Canadian Association of Professional Immigration Consultants member, KPIC. My ID number is R210224. So um, just like you guys, most people listening to this, I guess uh, we have most of our listeners um, in Nigeria or yeah. Nigerians, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, first, I'm a Nigerian. I was born and raised in Nigeria before I become a Canadian now. <laughs> I started my education in Nigeria. I have a BA from, I mean, English studies from Ogun State University, now Olabisi Onumbajo University, and um, obtained a master's, uh, master of business administration degree for, with a specialization in human resources management from Lagos State University before I migrated to Canada. I, when I got to Canada, I have to go back to school. I have to start from the little before I get to where I am now. So I use the approach, you know, the foot in the door technique. So I went back to school. I went to Umba College to do a postgraduate certificate in human resources management. I was able to, as part of graduation requirements, I was, I mean, had to do um, a, an internship, actually four months, free unpaid. Wow. <laughs> four months unpaid. I interned with Randstad Agency. It's, they are worldwide. So I was exposed to Canadian work experience. I was able to do a lot of interviews. I mean, like I interview clients that we are looking to hire at the time. I do a lot of um, work that we never did in Nigeria. So the Canadian work setting is highly dif different from um, Nigerian HR. After I hinted, I got an offer, like um, as HR assistant 
I was HR generalist before I left Nigeria. So I started from the smallest. Then I had to do my certification so that I can be competitive, to make me competitive. So from there, I got a, and I mean, I spent three months as HR assistant, then I got a higher position elsewhere in another company and I moved. And um, I am Canadian certified, certified as HR general, I mean, manager. I diversify into um, being a consultant, a regulated, I mean, Canadian regulated um, immigration consultant. Based on my experience on the job, I know that, and knowing that most Nigerians are looking for second option. I advise, I used to advise people for free because I was the one that did uh, my application with the help of a consultant at the time. And I thank God I used a consultant, she's of blessed memory. I thank God I used that because I could have been banned because you know, silly mistakes that we make when we apply, when filing an application, I could have made one of those mistakes. So based on that experience, I decided to go back to school again. So I went back to University of British Columbia to do my, um, to do a certification course in immigration laws, policies and procedures. Then I had to sit for my certification exam with ICCRC. Without it, I cannot practice. Um, I hope I'm not saying too much about myself. I see I have quite a No, no, no. <laughs> no. So, you know, to become licensed, I had to be, you have to be a permanent Canadian permanent resident or a Canadian citizen. Okay. For you to become a um an RCIC, that is a regulated Canadian immigration mm. consultant. After my diploma at uh, University of British Columbia, I after I was actually during my diploma, I was taught all of the immigration laws and regulation. The same as the ones visa officers used to determine the eligibility of your application when you submit. Mm. Yes. And I'm compelled to ethically apply this knowledge daily when dealing with the clients. Mm. I have to pass and graduate with honors. I need to sit for IETS academic exams with a CLB9 before I'm allowed to complete or to sit for my certification exams. Because I completed, it was an intense licensing exams uh, passed. I have to extract my record, criminal record checks for all the countries I've ever lived. Mm. As a licensed representative, I have to adhere to very strict professional ethics and standards. Because I have to pay a lot of money and do CPD just to, you know, keep, Checking that I mean doing continual professional continuing professional development courses every year, so that I'll be on top of the immigration rules and not as it keeps changing. So I'll say with my education and experience, I'm very knowledgeable about Canadian immigration programs and laws. Yes, it sounds yeah. like it. As you can all hear, she's very legit. <laughs> yeah, like this, like this. <laughs> We don't sugar codes. We, I'm not an agent because I, I, I need to put that out there. Right. And because in Nigeria, people deal with agents a lot. Agents are the ones that out there, sugar code, tell them what they cannot do. They tell them that they can bring the, the sky down for them, like immediately they pay. 
And once they get paid, they disappear or they start telling uh, stories. An agent is actually not licensed or authorized to represent clients wow. on any Canadian immigration applications. Using an agent, you are, if you use an agent to represent you, you are in violation of Canadian federal law, subsection 91 of IRPA. So people need to be careful of agent posing as consultants. How do you confirm you have a consultant? I mean, the, the person you are dealing with is a consultant. There's a, there's a link you can go to on the ICCRC website. Just need to type the name of your consultant or their, um, their, their practice name or their personal name. It will come up automatically. So we really need to, I mean, we need to put it out there that Nigerians need to be, people actually generally need to be careful of people. When, when someone, when it's too good to be true, be careful. Be careful. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Wow, 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 wow. It's like, I should just, I should just keep hearing you talk about different things, honestly. <laughs> but I would say um, our first question would be on a scale of one to 10, how, um, how hard or how, what would you rate the process of getting to Canada as a non-student compared to going in as a student? Okay, so I, I came to Canada as a skilled worker, not as a student. Okay. So I wouldn't say it is hard, but um, everything has a step. You just need to follow the steps. Once you follow the right steps, everything is okay. The same way study permit is not as easy to get as you think, or as a lot of people think, because I hear a lot of things out there that the best way to get to Canada or the fastest way is to come to Canada to study. No, that's not true. On a scale of one to 10, I'll say eight or nine. This, actually, everything is rated the same way. No one is different. Mm. So far, you qualify for the particular uh, stream you want to come to Canada as. Okay. You do know that Canadian immigration, to come to Canada legally, you can, it's a, we have a, over 80, 80 legal streams that you can. Wow. Yes, 80. So you only need to qualify for one particular one before you come to Canada. There are lots of uh, criteria to be considered. So I, I find it quite hard to, um, to assess based on the scale of one to 10. 10. Yes. So what is your, like your overview of the application process? So you mentioned like they're over 80. So say someone doesn't want to be a student, doesn't want to go in as a student, but they want to go in as a skill worker, like you went in or something else. What would you say is like the, if you're able to, what would you say is like the overview process without getting into like too much details for each strain? But what are some other ways that people can go in into Canada? And what is like the overview process? So to come to Canada without, if you don't want to come as a student, you have to be a graduate first. At least you must have a post-secondary school certificate. That's, that's a big deal. Now, the older you are, the less your chances. That's another, that's another one. You need to write English test, just like everyone that's coming to Canada now to study, they have to sit for IEATS, general model exams or academic. Mm -hmm. 
But if you want to come to Canada as a skilled worker, you need to sit for IEATS exams, general module, and you need to score really high. If especially if age is not on your side, mm. because Canada is bilingual, some people, everything actually is point based. So you get point for your education, for your years of experience, for your age, adaptability, English language test or French language test result. Because Canada is bilingual, so if you have French as a second language, you stand a higher chance of getting to Canada faster or earlier than others that doesn't have it. So for some people, when they consult, I say to them, especially when age is not on their side, some people do not get, like if I'm just coming to Canada now, in terms of age, I'm not gonna get any points. I'm gonna get zero. So how do I make up for the points I lose for A on A? I have to write my English test and make sure that I score a CLB9. When I say a CLB9, I mean, I have to do, listening minimum has to be 8.5. Other for other three modules has to be eight. Then I need to write French language exams and I must pass. So if I'm I am bilingual and I show evidence of being bilingual by I mean of bilingual, uh, the ability of my language by showing the English and French exams, I mean results. I am once I go into the poll, a lot of province will actually approach me and approach me to they want me to come to their province because um it's a big deal to be bilingual in canada bilingual in terms of french and english those are the two languages not spanish not ausa not <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so you, you have to be i mean once you're bilingual you stand a higher chance your education the more educated you are the better for you if you have mba it's good you are going to score 23 points if you have PhD 25, which is the highest, the more you work, the better for you. If you have over six years of experience, yes, you're going to get more points or six and above. Now, if you have HND, this is a mistake a lot of people make. When we ask them to fill an assessment form, like before I consult my clients, I make sure that I meet with my clients one-on-one -on -one before I represent. There's a place, I mean, you can go to a particular place on my website to do a free assessment. They, you see some people, they have OND and they have BSC. So they don't bother to include, I mean, so write that they have OND because they think BSC kind of supersede. Mm. That's, a, that's, yeah, a, yeah. That's, a, that's a big error. That's a huge one. Because if you have OND and BSC, you are going to be assessed as having two or more certificates. Meaning you're going to have 22 points. One point may not be like a big deal because BSc alone is 21. One point may not be a big deal to, you may think it's not a big deal, but by the time we had A and there, it's a big deal. Because for you to qualify to come to Canada as a skilled worker, like I said, everything's point-based, point you must score a minimum of 67 points. So if you do not score 67 points, you cannot even, you know, you cannot create an express entry profile. You cannot move from one state to the other. And um, I know that the, the main problem Nigerians have is they do not want to write English tests, IETS exams, because they think, oh, they tried once and they, oh, it's, it's really hard. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can pass better because I put in all my best or something 
different people with different excuses. Some think, oh, is it not just English? I'm just going to go in and write the exams. I'm going to pass. When they get the result, they'll be shocked because it is English, but you need to know the approach. You, you need to know how they want you to answer the question. So that's why practice is really important. important. And you can only practice writing by writing. You cannot practice writing by just watching the YouTube. <laughs> you know, those are the mistakes that a lot of people make. And if you write, if you don't pass, I mean, there's no, there's no shortcuts. You just have to write English text. So I say to people, even the Queen of England, even the Queen of England, if she wants to relocate to Canada, she has to write English test. That's to tell you that even the, the, the monarch herself, the English monarch has to write IECS. How much more you that you are a Nigerian, you have to write it. So um, it is not difficult if you do what it takes. Mm. It, I, I'll say it, it is not, I, I did it. And I've seen people that I would, everything depends on determination. It's Canadian journey is not for the faint hearted. If you want to do it, you can do it. It's up to you. Yes, it's up to you. If you want to do it, you can do it. There are, there are lots of um, opportunities when you come to Canada. If you can't come to Canada as a skilled worker, like say you are in the pool and your point is not going up, it's just too low. When you go to, if you are, if you are my clients, like you go to um, consultant that knows what she is doing, she's going to advise you to probably write your English test again if the result is not so proper, super, or try French test if you are open to that. Hmm. Look at what you assess. Do you have OND and you think it's not a big deal? It's time for you to reassess your education because you have to assess with some bodies that are recognized by Canadian immigration. They want to see your, they want to know the equivalent of your certificate to the Nigerian certificate you have to Canadian certificate. So you have a BSc in Nigeria. They want to know if it's the same as BSc in Canada. Mm, yes, yes, yes. That's why you have to go through, those are the, the, the things you have to go through that people in Nigeria are not, they're not patient enough <laughs> to go through that. So um, besides coming to Canada as a skilled worker under the federal skill program, you can also seek what you call a provincial nomination. So that's when I say that when you're on the poll as a bilingual, bilingual uh, candidate, some province will come to you to attract you to come and live in their province. So just for clarification, for people that do not know much about Canada. So, you know, like in America, you guys have states, state of New York, yeah georgia so yeah. we don't have state in canada we have province okay. province is equivalent to your state in canada in america mm -hmm. so there's some province that would that are looking for you or that want to attract you based on your language ability or based on your job your your, your profession so your it's possible that your profession is in demand in that particular province and once you set up an express entry profile they can see you they see what you have what you don't have and that's when they approach you and say, okay, we are looking for someone like you to come live in our province. Can you apply to us? Some will look for you, some will you have to apply to. Once you apply to them, they give you 600 points, which is huge, and you are going to get selected next time they do a draw. Meaning that you are almost in Canada if you pass all the admissibility requirements. Admissibility in terms of your criminality, they need to check to be sure that you do not have any criminal record. Right, right. And check your, then they ask you to do medical. So 
They want to be sure that uh, you don't have any medical condition that would kind of eat into Canadian um, public health. Okay. So once you fulfill all those requirements, you're good. Wow, I am clapping because that's like a whole lot of information. And I hope for anyone who's listening, you're taking notes because even I am taking notes. Who knows? Maybe one day I might need to go to Canada. <laughs> so I'm taking notes as well. But thank you so much. Another question is, I think you kind of talked about it, but you mentioned like mistakes that people usually make some mistakes that can get them banned, which was something that you could have done if you didn't have any calls, uh, so anyone consulting you were consulting with. So I would like to ask like, what are some, if you can give us like, what's some, what are some mistakes that can get people banned so that they, so people can kind of see the benefits of going or seeing a consultant over just trying to do it by yourself? Okay, so um, when it, we're talking about misrepresentation, okay. if you, as much as supposed to write it, you take yes and you take no. That's a human's represented fact. Okay. What we think, what we consider a, an innocent mistake back home in Nigeria, it's not um, a mistake in Canada. Hmm. Because they expect you to read through your forms before you submit and you have to sign to confirm that everything you feel is actually true. And um, yes, you write no by mistake or you hide some material facts in terms of you probably walk somewhere and you, because you think this is not going to, it doesn't have any to, anything to do with the application you are submitting at the time. You think it's not, it's not actually necessary for you to submit that um, work experience or to indicate or to, to declare the work experience. Or you have a certification that you think it's not really important or you've been married and you claim that you, you are saying that you're not married because you think, oh, being married at this time doesn't really matter. I can always say I'm married at this point. Or you are not married, you claim you're married. Or you don't have kids, you claim you, are, you have kids. Uh, um, at a point in time, you've been to the embassy for maybe even ordinary visiting visa and uh, all these agents, they are packaged for you, like what they call packaging. Yeah. They, they, they claim that you are what you're not. Hmm. And you think it's been long, oh, you think it's American embassy and applying to Canadian embassy this time, or it's UK embassy, this is Canadian embassy. There's no way they will know. Actually, my name is different. My details are different. And what happened when you do fingerprint and you change that too? <laughs> And they're going to link you everything up. So what do you do? At that point, they're going to tell you that we find you. You are trying to hide behind a finger, right? We find you and unfortunately, we are not comfortable with you coming to Canada mm -hmm. because that is you I mean, misrepresenting fact. Yes. It can be anything as, as simple as what you can ever think of. So it is really important you're consistent because there's no way you can be consistent when you're lying. That's the bitter truth. You cannot be consistent when you're lying. It's always good to be open to them. Tell them this is who I am. Yes, I, there was a time I was bad, but now I'm good. <laughs> Honestly, I say to my client that it doesn't matter that you have been denied a visa in the past. It doesn't matter where. Just say, those are the reasons that people can be um, battle being denied if this is somewhere and you refuse or you forget or you purposely omit that fact that's a big deal that's a big deal you know 
and all these forms can be a little bit complicated or you probably will not understand what they are asking you to say. A yes would make or break you. So it is, this is why I, I mean, agents will tell you that we, we don't have to tell them we can lie. We can do this, do that. Agents will cook up stories that you wonder even how, a lot of people are educated, yes, they fall into their traps and you wonder how gullible they can be. There's no reason for you not to say the truth. You don't have to because even when you get it, if you, if you escape and you get a visa, one day when you are caught, they're going to take it from you. So it is, there's no, no such thing as, oh, I was able to pass a stage and once I, um, I, I passed first and second stage, once I'm on fourth stage, they can't do anything about it again, no. Even if you're on 10th stage, they can find you. So when you, and when you get banned at the point of applying for your application, once you find you um, guilty, you are going to be banned for five years. And after five years, that trade you for the rest, trade you around for the rest of your life. Because it will be on your file that you have been banned for misrep in the past. And if you don't get that cleared, it is, um, you, there's, you stand a high chance of never being, I mean, never been able to get um, a Canadian visa, even visiting visa, talk less of you migrated to Canada. So it is important that you do the right thing if you think you can DIY, because I say it to people, I see a lot of IT. Oh yes, I can do it. Well, what she doing? You don't have to go to school. You don't have to this, do this, do that. But when they get um, when they get a letter of um, if the immigration we call it procedural fairness, before they refuse you or before they ban you, they will send you a letter to say that this is what we find about your application. This is what we know about you, but you didn't declare it. We want you to please defend yourself. Tell us why we should not ban you or refuse your application. Mm -hmm. That's why you see them they run around like headless chicken looking for someone to help them. Because at that point, there's, you cannot get it right. Don't think you are smart enough to, to respond to them. No. If you do that, you're just naming your coffin. So it's, that's high time for them to find someone who's knowledgeable, knows what to do or how to approach, how to best to answer the whatever issue the questions they raise. And um, most times we cannot do anything about it. Once the officers raise a concern about your application, they know what they're talking about. I'm not saying that they don't make mistakes sometimes. And they actually do, but uh, there's some mistakes. There are some things that they will, issues they will raise that even you as a consultant, you will know that there's no way um, out of it. So you get banned, you get banned. I am going to give you a, let me say this, okay, let me just use this example. If you score 67 points where you are trying to, to do your, I mean, to determine if you are eligible to apply as a skilled worker, okay. and you create an express entry profile. I've seen people that create an express entry profile as um, maybe HR manager, they are in the pool for a certain time, they didn't get selected. And um, another province is now looking for an admin manager. Because they do not get selected, they deleted the profile. Oh. Create a new one that suits what the province is looking for as admin manager. Meanwhile, in the profile they, they deleted, there was nothing to say that they actually work as an admin of uh, manager. It's all right, delete. You think you deleted, right? That's fine. 
wait when you get to the pool you get selected as admin manager at the point of being issued a visa they are going to put it to you that you created a profile that you deleted you created a profile that you deleted because you think you deleted it but they can see it at the back end so these are the things that cause misrep. There's no way you will not get banned because you think you deleted it. Uh, there's this uh, mime I have that says, uh, go, go, go see what you deleted. <laughs> so IRCC actually see what you deleted. So it's not to you. I mean, it's things like that can cost you misrep. There are a lot of um, examples I have. I think uh, if I start talking about it, we'll not move from... <laughs> They trust me right so much so what you're saying to nigerians or even just other people follow the rules and do the right thing don't try to cut any corners don't try to be smart no. about it no, just no, no. seek help and follow the rules that is it follow the rules seek help do not claim to be what you're not mm. because you cannot be consistent with life Right, right, right. And so my last, just uh, last few questions. The last, um, second to last is, what do you see in people's applications that usually help them to stand out? I think you mentioned like if they're bilingual, but is there anything else that usually helps that makes them stand out? Bilingual is a big deal. Being bilingual is a big deal, big, 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 biggest deal, actually. There's any word like that. Um. Education is good when you have MBA or even you have a first degree and a certification. You know, all these are like you write ICANN, yeah. can be assessed as two or more certification. Um, and the, the younger you have, the better for you. If you, are, if you are less than 40 is good. The moment you eat that 40 years, it's, the point is going down. So imagine someone in his or her twenties or thirties, right, being bilingual, writing English tests, a fourth degree or even um, master's degree. Oh my, those are the kind of candidates I always pray for. <laughs> um, that does not mean that um, older candidates will not be, will not have an. I mean, it's, it doesn't mean that they won't be selected too. But it's just how we need to put more effort. And I noticed that um, a lot of people get tired. They get tired easily. They do not want to push forward. They, uh, because they have a lot of, um, you know, uh, they have other things they're thinking of. Yes. They have a lot of responsibilities and they probably do not even have the money or the time to study or to, you know, to waste time, but they really want this and they don't want to do what it takes. So it's kind of difficult. On a brighter side, when, if, if you, I mean, when I have a candidate that's uh, age is not on the side, maybe um, in 50s or mid 40s, but ask money. If it has a good network, they can, it can actually come to Canada as a, an entrepreneur and, or as an investor. Mm. So there's always something for everyone. There's always something for everyone. So if you have 
minimum net worth of 500,000 Canadian, 500 Canadian, 1,000 Canadian dollars, and you are willing to invest minimum of $150,000 into an existing or a new business in Canada, you must have the education or managerial experience. Yes, you can come to Canada too. So there's something for everyone. Depends on the stream or what you want to come to Canada, just as we have, uh, what you want to come to Canada for us. Just as we have students, I've seen people who are 40 who want to come to school in Canada. They do not stand a, a chance. Because um, the first thing the decision, decision officer will say is, what were you looking at? What, what were you waiting for? Why so long? Why do you suddenly wake up and decide to come to Canada? Especially for the ones that never had any education beside their first, I mean, high school diploma. At 40, that's when you decide to come and do a, come to Canada to do a diploma or a BSc at 40. That's ridiculous, right? <laughs> so what, what excuse are you going to give the officer? And guess what? Some school will not even admit you because of the gap in your education. So some, most schools maximum gap in education to take is eight years, most. That does, that does not mean that you don't find the schools who will, will be willing to you know, admit you, but then to, to get approved is gonna be a tug of war. So um, 40, difficult in terms of skilled worker, not it's, it's possible, but it's not as seamless as younger candidates. An age on, not on the side, but they have the money. Yes, you can do the investor route. There's always something, something for everyone. Everyone, right, right. Okay. So as we come to the end of the episode, if you have three things that you can leave the people with, three things, it can be like three sentences or three advice or anything, just three things you can leave the people with, the listeners with, what would those three things be? Hmm. Integrity first. Mm -hmm. Always say it as it is. Mm -hmm. Say the truth. Let the devil be ashamed, like my mother <laughs> used to say to me. It is, there's not, there's nothing impossible. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, when it comes to Canadian immigration, there's nothing impossible, there's nothing that we do. There's no such thing as no solution if you go through the right path, right. you go through the right person. And uh, what else would I say? No knowledge is lost. Don't be afraid to start from the scratch. Mm -hmm. if that is what is needed for you to achieve your aim. Right. You have to be, Nigerians are resilient in nature. Mm. We are creators. We, if you want something, we go all the way for it. Mm -hmm. But we should do it the right way. Mm -hmm. Go through the right door, the right path, and the sky will be a starting point. Thank you so much. For, and I think those last three things don't even just only apply. And this is why I love this, this podcast, because anybody that we bring is very inspirational. You've been so inspirational to us, ma'am. Like, it's not even a just only for the Canadian process, but also in life, like definitely do things with integrity 
don't try to pose as to who you're not and act like you're not you're somebody else so we are so grateful i wish alia could have been on this call but she is not on this episode today but if you do want to reach out to mrs abiyadubalogo you can either reach out to oncoming to america um underscore pod on instagram or do you have an instagram um, for your um business or yes i do we are immigration consultancy on instagram and our website is um www.piimmigration.ca you can also reach us via the email info at piimmigration.ca it's p p i I and M double double I double have the high And of course, my telephone number is 289-772-7797. If you are calling from outside Nigeria, you have to put plus one. Sorry, if you're calling from outside Canada, you have to put plus one. So it's uh actually okay, it's one uh 289-772-7797. Um, from if you're calling from outside Canada, one two eight nine seven seven two seven seven nine seven. That's our only number. You can reach us on WhatsApp or call or text message. Anyone we are available. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We really no, appreciate your time. So much. Thanks. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. I. This is quite. Um, yeah, you guys are doing a great job. Keep Thank it up. You. Thank so, you. This is quite um, encouraging. Thank you. We really appreciate your time and we wish you a lovely rest of your weekend. For all the listeners, please, please reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, anything you like to say. And we really hope you enjoyed this episode because it's very informative and very um, good for anyone who's looking to move to Canada, whether as a student or not. As, you, as you've heard, there are different so many different ways of moving to Canada and we appreciate you ma'am have a lovely rest of your weekend bye thank you thank you so bye-bye thanks